Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. This is a weekly discussion about the Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James, a series of pilgrimages, there are 12 or more, across Europe. If you're listening to this thinking, hmm, should I do it? Do it. If you're listening, wondering if you can actually walk the 500 miles or 780 kilometres of the Camino Frances, the answer is yes. Do it. The Camino is increasing in popularity every year because the walking provides a respite from the chaos of modern life. If you want to escape the rat race, walk a Camino. If you want to spend some time alone with your thoughts after a major life event, a divorce, a death, losing your job, Walk the Camino. I'm not suggesting you'll find yourself, but you'll get warm. The Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw said, Life is not about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. My guest this week is the Australian playwright Sarah Peters. Sarah will this week present her latest play in Adelaide. It's about the Camino. It's called Blister. Sarah's on the line from the City of Churches. Welcome, Pilgrim. Oh, thank you so much, Dan. First of all, tell us how the Camino came into your life. Well, I guess, like uh, for a lot of people, I first heard about the Camino by uh, watching a film uh, called The Way. And when I'd first seen that film, I thought that the Camino was something that I would never possibly be able to complete, but that it was a nice idea. Um, and then it wasn't until a little bit, a few years, a few years later that I was finishing up my PhD and I was thinking about what I was going to be doing after I submitted my PhD and, and I heard about the Camino again and, and I thought, oh, that might be a really interesting thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, there would be lots of people from all over the world there. Um, as a playwright, I'm really interested in other people's stories. So I was kind of thinking, oh, well, maybe maybe that should be the next thing. <laughs> So, and, yeah. and, and so I'd imagine that finishing up a PhD, uh, you've mm. been obviously doing a lot of work. You saw it as yeah. a chance to sort of finish perhaps that chapter of your life. Yeah, and I think it was um, like the PhD was on playwriting and about interviewing people to write a play. Um, but also writing a PhD is very sedentary. Like it's, um, you know, you're sitting at the computer for that last little stretch. And so I felt like preparing for the Camino um, because I really had to train hard because I was not a walker <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was a really nice balance between sitting down and finishing off this PhD, kind of, yeah, like you say, ending that chapter um, while also kind of preparing for this next, this next project. Because once you submit your PhD, there's, you know, up to three months before you get your examiner's reports back. So there's kind of this window of... Um, it, you know, people describe it as a bit of a limbo. You've been working so hard towards your submission and then oh, it's not you're kind of just waiting. So I thought, oh, well, I can fill that gap. <laughs> yeah, and what a way to fill it. You walked back in <laughs> 2016 and you say Blister explores what happens when daily life is reduced to a 10-kilogram pack, a pair of boots and a series of yellow arrows. So tell us what happens. Well, you mean... Um, I guess that the the plot of the play is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Tell us, tell yeah. us what what you learned and what you put on the page. Yeah, I guess. Um, oh, <laughs> it's really hard to talk about what your play is about 
happens. Um, I guess I learned, for me, the thing that I just couldn't believe over and over again was how willing people are to share their life with you yeah. on the Camino. Yeah. You're all, yeah, you're having this shared experience, um, you know, of like there's a very clear routine. You wake up in the morning, everyone packs up, you know, you're, you're really only packing up those few possessions that you have around you into your pack and, and then you walk. And so we're doing a very similar routine. Um, but it was just it just amazed me how people, you'd be walking alongside them and sharing about these big things in their life or the reasons that they were walking the Camino, um, you know, what their life was like back home, what they had left or what they might be returning to. And it just, yeah, I don't know, every single time it happened, it just felt like this beautiful gift that um, people were really kind of looking to connect along mm. the Camino. And, and I guess that that's, I suppose, at the heart of what this play is about, um, people's willingness to be vulnerable and to be open and to share and to be actively seeking something. Yeah, wow, what a great description. That's right. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but it is a gift, isn't it? It is a gift. Yeah. And sometimes you think, gosh, you know, I, I, I've known people my entire life and I've never had an in-depth conversation with them like the conversation I'm having with this person now. Oh, absolutely. And that I've just, that I've just met, that I don't even know their surname. Exactly. And I might not, not see them again. Like, yeah. that's the other thing. I think the fact that you, you know, some people you walked with over and over again and, um, and I very much had a Camino family and we kind of grew and we shrunk over the whole time of walking. Um, but then there were also other people who you saw once and ha- shared this profound um, story from each other's lives and then never saw them again. Um, so that was amazing too. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you a spiritual person? I am, yes. Yeah. And, and so how do you explain the Camino to people who ask about it? Um, well, I suppose... I talk about its history as a spiritual pilgrimage, but then explain that actually, and in my experience, most people who I met with and talked with were not there directly for um, a spiritual pilgrimage in that sense of, um, I suppose, uh, sacrificing um, their time or giving this as in service or in that sense. For a lot of people, it was not necessarily that they were there as Christian pilgrims, but pilgrims of another sort, or spiritual in the broadest sense of that term. Yeah, and that's the spirituality I was sort of alluding to in a sense. And I think, yes, and I, yes. I wonder, I wonder how the spiritual Sarah then found that Camino. Was it? Was it? When I say found, what I mean is how you experienced it. Did you? Did you feel an awakening? Did you feel that great energy that everybody talks about? Um, not in the way that I thought I might. I guess it really, for me, that energy really came back down to the the everyday and the people. Mm. Um, I actually had a very, <laughs> I was really resistant to all of the material objects of faith on the Camino. Um, I, you know, I, I walked into the big cathedrals and I could appreciate them for being amazing works of art. But I also, you hear the stories about how those 
places were built and I just they're just so opulent and so lavish and I just think that these places were built by the poorest of the poor it's how many people you know died to build these places um and I, I find that really saddening um and so I really yeah for me the greatest spiritual moments were that I found on the Camino were in the moments where people helped one another out, um, helped them get through a challenge, convinced them that they could climb a mountain or, um, you know, brought them some food. Or um, I had one day where I was incredibly sick <laughs> and I just, oh, it was, I refer to it as the snotty sick rain day uh, and, it, and it features in the play. Um, <laughs> and it was just this, huge ordeal and was really I think the only time that I thought gosh why what am I what am I doing why am I still doing this and you know the the Camino family that I'm I had created along the way just really you know stepped in and you know shared with me their um, um, pain meds and tablets and made sure there was soup at dinner and you know just really stepped in and cared for me and that's where I found the most learning for me spiritually around being willing to accept the the gifts and love of others and being willing to give that love to others as well. In the play itself, you're the chief protagonist, as it were. It's written <clears throat> from your perspective and it's about the people mm. that you meet. What do you think you learned about yourself on the Camino? I learned so much. <laughs> um, yeah, so many things. That's been that's been quite interesting about doing the play too because I, you know, yes, it is from my perspective and I had shared all these moments and then the cast and the director have just been phenomenal. They're like, okay, but what was really going on in this moment? Or, you know, um, and they really kind of asked fantastic questions that prompted me to be, I suppose, a little bit more honest about the things that I learned. Um, about myself. <laughs> um, so, oh, how would I how would I wrap that up into a response? Um, Did you were I, you I think, were you well, let me ask you this? Were you surprised by what you learned about yourself? Yes, I was. Were you happy and delighted with what you learned about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're getting closer. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. I don't know why this is so. Um, I think that, you know, I, I learned that I do find it difficult to um, ask for help. And, and, and I learned that, you know, I just have to. <laughs> so that was something that I, that I learned. Also, I suppose I came away with a um, a profound sense of a love for the ability of my body. Like I just couldn't believe that, you know, my legs and lungs and, you know, feet had traversed the breadth of the country and it was just really nice to come away going, gosh, I'm so proud of this body, which, you know, I'm not always, but I just came away from that experience, yeah, with a real love for what I was able to do. Mm, that's a great answer. And and it, and what did you learn from the people that you met, do you think? Um, oh, well, 
<laughs> I guess you learn and it just gets clarified for you how different everybody is, that there is no, there's no right way to live your life, that there's, there's really no such thing as normal, that, you know, <laughs> I, I guess that was probably the biggest thing is that, you know, people are all having their own individual and unique um, struggles and challenges and, um, and have their own understandings of what family is and what love means um, and I guess, so yeah, that's what I learned from other people is that, mm. you know, there is a magnificent diversity to life. Yeah. Yeah. There's a great camaraderie on the Camino. You, you, we've talked about it already. You draw on other people's stories in the play, Sarah. And do those mm. people know that they are in the play? Yes, they do. The play kind of became a big topic of conversation because, I mean, when I first went off, um, as a verbatim playwright, I often interview people and record the conversations, and then that recording informs the writing of the play. So you might end up with lines that are in the play that are exactly verbatim to what somebody has shared with you. And I suppose I went with the intent of recording conversations in that same way. But after that first day climbing the Pyrenees, <laughs> I just <laughs> it was such a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, no, I can't. I can't be playwright Sarah and Sarah, Sarah on this journey. I'm just here. I'm actually probably just here for me more than for the play. And um, But anyway, but I, I told people that that was why I was there and that that was something that I had thought I might do. And it just, yeah, we just talked about it the whole way. We'd, you know, <laughs> um, the Camino family I walked with had decided which actors should play them in the play. Um, oh, fantastic. <laughs> they thought that uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones would be a great pick for one of them, <laughs> Judith Lucy for somebody else. <laughs> That's great. Um, and I imagine yeah. you're in a town square somewhere and something's happening and someone yells out, this is going in the play, Sarah. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, the, the, the plastic bag terrorists is what somebody called people who use plastic bags in the morning in the Albergues. <laughs> They're like, you need to have a scene about the plastic bag terrorist. <laughs> and is there a plastic bag terrorist in the play? Well, we, yeah, we've got a whole, um, a bit of a latsy around somebody making a lot of noise How in the funny. dormitory. So, How yeah. How funny. Yeah. How funny. And some of the people I walked with are coming to see the play. Oh, really? How wonderful. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Oh, look, I, it's, 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 Adel- it's Adelaide and I'm in Sydney. It's a little way away, but I wished I was there this week to go and see it. Um, you're a, you are a drama lecturer by day at Adelaide's Flinders University. You're no doubt used to urging people to connect with their inner selves. Indeed, you're just telling us about the actors asking you what you were thinking mm. and feeling at the time when you were going through these particular scenes. So, and you touched on it earlier. I'd like to just go through it a little bit further with you. What did someone who makes a living out of encouraging people to open up What did you make of the tendency of pilgrims to want to tell their story? Because I imagine you must have come back with dozens and dozens and dozens of stories. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, I think that it was actually when I first came back and I'd started writing some of those stories into scenes and, um, and I took them, this was when I was living in Toowoomba and I was working um, with some actors and a director there Got Alderdice, and he said, ah, all these people are just looking for belonging, aren't they? And that's what he got the actors to think about when they were portraying them. And I thought, yeah, that's so, that's so true. And I, I went back and I thought about all the, um, it was that thing that you can only maybe get in hindsight, 
that maybe people are just looking for different ways to belong and that maybe that's what prompts the sharing of story. Like, you know, yes, some people who walk the Camino are, um, you know, from Spain, of course, but most people have travelled long, long distances, like from Australia or from anywhere in the world to come and walk the Camino. And so, of course, you know, you're kind of in a completely foreign place and that that desire to connect with someone, that desire to feel that you belong, of course that's facilitated through stories and through storytelling. Um, yeah. So I think I think that that's what prompts people to, to open up and to share on the Camino because... It's everything is completely foreign and and completely new and and that the central way that we can be genuine and and to connect with someone is to be honest about ourselves. Wow, what a great answer! I've never heard that in 133 episodes of this podcast. Nobody has ever said that. Perhaps what all pilgrims are looking for is a is a sense of belonging, and that is so true. Oh, okay, good. Gosh, imagine if I was off on the wrong track. And I'm like, oh, this is the central thing of the play. <laughs> wow. Yeah, of belonging. You're right. Mm. That's definitely worth thinking about. Yeah. I, 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 okay. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about some nuts and bolts um, while I think about okay. that. Uh, you, you mentioned before that you did some training. How much training did yeah. you do? Oh, look, I, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I, I started training seven months before I went. And I started doing five kilometers a day, six days a week. And then the next month I did six kilometers a day, six days a week. And I, every month I just kept upping it, you know, nine kilometers, 10 kilometers, 12 kilometers until the month before I left, I was walking between 18 and 21 kilometers, six days a week. Goodness me. You must have. I know, look. <laughs> but but I suppose, I was about to say you must have had time on your hands, but I, I guarantee if you're writing a PhD, you would have loved yeah. the opportunity to get up and walk. Oh, totally. Yeah. And that, yeah, I guess that's what I mean before is that it was a beautiful balance because, yeah. uh, and I suppose also I was very privileged to have the time to mm. train that much because, you know, I was, I was finishing my PhD full time. And so, yeah, I, I had the time to go and to go and take three hours out of the day to go, to go walk. Um, yeah. So, so. In, in all of that training, you would have worked out how fast you walk. How fast did you walk? How long did it take you to walk? Yeah. Yeah, how fast? I, depending on the terrain, um, I, I walk about six kilometres an hour, but that's on fairly flat mm. terrain. But mm. that's, that's um, it's very consistently six kilometres an hour. Yeah. And what about on Even the Camino? Did you, is that what were you kind of averaging on the Camino, do you think? Because I'm certain people would be interested listening. Ooh. Well, I'm, I'm not sure that we really, that I really ever thought about it in that way. Right. We really thought about, um, like, in terms of the, the time taken to, to um, cover those kilometres, because sometimes it just, it just flew by, um, you know, and you, you know, you've walked 10 kilometers and you've been talking the whole time and then you stop for a coffee and you realize where you are and you think, oh, oh, okay, all right, well, we're already here. That's fantastic. And then <laughs> other... <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> yeah. Then other, other days, it's, you know, whether it's that you are more fatigued and tired or, um, 
you know, of course, when it's when it's a lot steeper, like I can't even, I dread to think how long it took me on that first day. I really found that first day really, really hard. And that's my, that's my next question because because you'd done all that walking and yet you still tr- struggled with the with the uh, going over the Pyrenees because there'll be people listening thinking, oh no, I haven't done nearly as much yeah. training as Sarah, and you struggled, huh? I know. Well. <laughs> I suppose this is the time to admit that I was doing most of my training in um, rural Queensland where it's fairly flat. <laughs> and so I had not, I'd not been prepared for um, the ascents, really. Yeah. Like I, I was doing a fair bit of walking in Toowoomba in Queensland, which does have, you know, you can, there's a bit of up and down around town. And so that was fine. But then I guess the last months of my, um, Preparation. I was out in Roma with my family, um, and it's pretty flat out there. <laughs> there you so, go. Um, yeah. Well, so yeah. I can let you in on a little secret. I was born and bred in mm. Toowoomba. <gasps> Were you really? I was. I was born and bred oh in Toowoomba. Goodness. I went to school in Toowoomba. <laughs> I was oh, born, really? My family is from Toowoomba, and I played football as a boy in Roma. I know exactly where you're talking about. Oh, my goodness, that's insane. It is insane. Well, so yeah. there, there you go. I was, so I was born in Roma and did all my school, like um, I did high school in Roma, but um, all of my university study was at USQ in Toowoomba. Okay. It used to be the DDIAE, I think, the Darling Downs yes. Institute of Advanced Education. So those people right. listening around the world, Sarah and yes. I are from the same part <laughs> of Queensland, a state of Australia, and that part of the world is called the Darling Downs. And it yes. is truly a beautiful part of the world, the red soil, and it's, uh, it's just a gorgeous place to live and, and to be brought up. And so now you're in Adelaide, you're in, in Flinders University in yes. South Australia, so you're a long way from home. Let, let's yes, go, I let, am. Yeah, let's go back to the Camino. You've walked, you've got yourself fit, you're feeling great, you've crossed the Pyrenees and you're on your way to Pamplona, through Burgos, Leon, and into Santiago, what did you find most rewarding about the Camino? Oh, um, well, I loved the... I found it most rewarding that you achieved something every day, that it was really simple. I loved that it was... Everything was paired back to this glorious simplicity uh, of you know where are we going to stop for coffee? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know you're not um, responsible for very much at all. Like you've been able to carve out this time, you know, outside of regular routines of your daily life, and so there's a great freedom in that. I found that incredibly rewarding and something that I was like, I want to try and remember this and remember to take this home with me that you don't need more than 10 kilos worth of stuff and that, you know, you can, yeah, it's very rewarding just to be out in nature, to walk, to travel slowly, to engage with people. This is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm waxing lyrical a little bit here, but like, I was like, this is the stuff of life. <laughs> it <laughs> is. Know? It um, is. It, it's a, it's yeah. a, when that realisation dawns on you, it's quite exquisite. Because we don't need all that stuff. We no. don't. We don't. And we're most at, at ease and most free, if you like, when we shed it 
when we don't need yeah. it and when we don't carry it. I think it's fantastic that you are lucky enough and I have indeed been lucky enough to have that experience because it's mm. something I try to explain to people when I get back. I Listen, you don't understand. No emails, yeah. no, no phone calls, no no day-to-day. We put so much pressure on ourselves uh, in, in everyday life. It, the Camino is a, rem- a reminder of how simple things can be and should be. And then we come back to Absolutely. our we come back to our lives and we go crazy yeah. again. So what? I know, and <laughs> doing the play has just you know made me think. Gosh, I really want to go back, or you know, and and that that would be the ideal. I would love to go back, but if I can't go back, then I really need to reconnect with the things that I learnt because, I mean, I mean, you know, like that great sense of achievement of you know getting to the next town of. Like you're, you, we celebrated each day. Oh well, we've walked, you know, 28 kilometers today. That's fantastic. We deserve, you know, we deserve a rest and a reward. But we don't celebrate those kinds of wins in our regular day-to-day life, you know. <laughs> and I think that every day was kind of celebrated on the Camino. And I think, oh yes, how can I, how can I bring that back into my, into my daily routine? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, you, you know, you, you find yourself with some pla- green plastic chairs out the front of a shop somewhere and then pour yeah. some soft drink into your beer. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, what did you find? That was what was most rewarding for Sarah Peters. What was most challenging? Yeah. Uh, um, uh, what was really challenging for me was uh, at times walking my own Camino, going at my own pace or knowing when I needed to slow down. I just, I found it so hard to, to um, maybe break away from the group that I was walking with um, or to, to say, no, I'm going to stop here or I'm only going to walk a short day today. I found that so incredibly challenging. I just felt like there is something, maybe again, it goes back to that, that rhythm and routine I talked about before that, there's something about that that just, I don't know, kept wanting to pull me on and on and on. And so to resist that, I found so hard. Yeah. <laughs> like both times that I took shorter days, I literally walked to the edge of town, kind of staring out at the, you know, at the path and the other pilgrims who were continuing on. And I'm like, no, Sarah, you, you lost a toenail. You should stop now. <laughs> Um, like I just, I don't know. I found that really, really challenging. What about that? And, and, and that's that's a great learning process in itself, isn't it? You know, listening to yourself, listening to your body. You mentioned before that how proud you were of the body that carried yeah. you all of that way. What about that? Then the day by day walking, the actual walking. You said you did a lot of preparation. How did you cope with the day after day of walking? and walking long distance. Yeah, well, I think that that I think that that was probably the thing that I I didn't challenge with and that was maybe because of having done it day after day after day in my training. I oh, think of course. I mean, like um I was by no means the fittest person that I was walking with, but I was very used to doing it day after day after day. So, and I think that at the start of the Camino that didn't seem to really have made much of a difference. You know, I talked to other people about what they had done to prepare and they talked about doing a couple of really long walks, you know, maybe twice a week or something. And I was like, oh, gosh, I really overdid it, didn't I, in my, in my preparation? 
But then, <laughs> you know, about two weeks in, two and a half weeks in, lots of people are starting to feel the shin splints or the, you know, um, the things that come with repeated walking. And I didn't have that as much. So I think that that's when my ridiculous um, preparation program <laughs> really kind of paid off for me then. Yeah. I, I have a, a, a saying called a spreadsheet pilgrim. That is somebody who really plans out where they're going to be each night and books ahead and, and knows everything oh, in, yeah. in advance. Were you a spreadsheet pilgrim or did you just wing it? Um, I was probably a, a Brearley guide pilgrim. Right. <laughs> so, you know, the Brearley. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I guess we kind of walked to that, you know, um, the the kind of distances and, and kind of daily routines set out by that, um, except for on those few occasions where I was like, oh, I might, you know, have a shorter day today or I need to rest today. Although in saying that, then I tried to make it, make you know, catch up yeah. <laughs> back to that, <laughs> back yeah. to that kind of um, regime. But But I guess that was more in terms of the, um, you know, which town you were going to stop at. I never, we never, I never knew where I was going to be sleeping um, until that final 100 kilometres because, I mean, just it started to get really, really busy and um, some of the people I was walking with were uh, at that point sending their packs ahead of them. And so we started um, booking in to places just in that, that final five days just to make sure we had a bed. <laughs> yeah, and so their back, you know, backpacks could be delivered somewhere, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so what months did you walk in 2016? I started on the 2nd of April and finished on the 5th of May. Right. Okay, and it was busy in April and May. Well, I couldn't believe it that that first week in May, it was, um, well, maybe it wasn't busy for people who have walked in June, July, but compared to what we were used to at yeah. the start of April, yeah, it sure. felt very busy to us. <laughs> yeah. And did, did you stay uh, largely in Albergues? Yes. We, I, I keep saying we because, you know, I, I really yeah. did walk with a, with a group of people. But, Naturally, um, yeah. Yes. We stayed in a um, – one night we stayed in a hotel was in Leon and had like – that was the one day of not walking. So we, we ended up, um, yeah, just having one day off in Lyon and we stayed in a hotel that night, but every other night um, stayed in the albergues. What did you make of walking into Santiago de Compostela? Oh, it was pretty surreal. (laughs) Um, It was like, I don't know, that day felt like we didn't have that far to walk. And so it was kind of this weird thing of kind of wanting to rush to get there, but then also wanting to make the day kind of last as long as possible. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So... Anytime we thought that something, you know, we were like, oh, we better stop and take a photo, you know, just to kind of draw it out a little bit. Because <laughs> um, I guess there was a, even though I was planning to walk on to Finisterre, there was a real sense of um, coming to an end in Santiago de Compostela. And um, I just remember how weird it was to kind of be walking into town and we walked past this, um, this tour group this person was like, oh, here you can see them, the pilgrims who've walked away. <laughs> and it was like we were like, yeah, it was so odd. And so we're walking in and, you know. That's funny. <laughs> and I remember there was a bagpipe player yeah. uh, in the archway just before we came through. And 
So it was kind of, there were moments where it felt really ceremonious, I suppose. And then moments where it was just really, it's like we got into that, you know, um, standing in front of the church and we're like, oh, well, yep. So, yep. Well, we're, well, we're here. Yep. <laughs> now <laughs> you know, what? So was, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so there's, it's that real duality of those two things, I suppose. And we just kind of hung out there in that square for a little while. And, and it was just amazing how many people also finished on that same day who, you know, maybe you'd seen once or twice along the way. And, and we all just happened to have our, you know, we're all arriving within the space of a couple of hours, which just seems crazy yeah it's wonderful but really lovely yeah yeah it's beautiful that sense of here you are you've shared a little piece of my journey and it's so nice to see you at the journey's end you know there's an old saying sarah your camino begins when you get to santiago how was your coming Mm. home oh that's really interesting because i mean so i walked from after Santiago, I walked to Finisterre, then up to Murcia, and then I, I couldn't stop. I went to Portugal and walked 100 kilometres on the Portuguese Camino. Like, right. I, I just really couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> um, and so, I don't know, then I suppose then how did I bring that home with me? I think that year, 2016, was quite a, a big year for me. I turned 30, submitted my PhD, walked the Camino, and then I was a month later travelling to Peru with my sister and her husband, and we walked Inca Trail. Um, and I I suppose it was a time of not really knowing what my future held, but kind of being okay with that as well. Um, you know, because I was applying for jobs and I wasn't, I wasn't really sure if were there going to be any positions, you know, drama lecturing positions available. Um, would I be teaching high school again, where will I be living? There was a lot of there was a lot of unknown for when I was coming back. So I guess maybe the thing that I brought back with me was just taking it just take everything day by day. Yeah. It worked on the Camino. Yeah, good yeah, good <laughs> lesson though. Good lesson. And and you've yeah. taken time out from rehearsals to speak with us today. How's it all going? Yeah. How's the production coming along? Oh, it's so exciting. <laughs> it's just Oh, it's it's great. It's also, you know, I've um, as you mentioned before, it is kind of from my perspective, and so there are moments of what feel like real vulnerability for me. And so, as a play, I, I think it's. I, I feel like we are capturing something about the heart of the Camino in the play, and, and I'm really, really proud of that, uh, and the work that the actors have done, and that the director, and we've got a composer. Um, who's a cellist and she's created some music to underscore certain moments and um, that's all really lovely. And then I remember that people are going to come and see it and I'm like, oh, you know, it's like I'm just going to bare my soul to, you know, 100 people. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Wow. I guess that's one of the things about it, right? I didn't think about that till you just said it then as well and I got like goosebumps. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it's it's one of those things that you've decided to tell your story and then you're going to watch that story told back to you by someone playing you. That's kind mm. of that's going to be extraordinary. And then to top all of that off, there's a hundred people watching. Yeah, 
Yes. It's very brave of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think that, um, of course, in writing the characters, like the character's name is Rosie and it's it's a version of me, just like all of the characters' stories who are told, it's a version of the people who were meant, so who who I met. So I think that that, that helps give me courage, knowing that it is, that there is something about that character and, and and that story that is true to me, but it's also a version, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 the, the work is being shown at Adelaide's Holden Street Theatres in High and Marsh from July 31st to August the 3rd. Are there plans yeah. to take it elsewhere? We don't have any plans yet, um, but we're keeping an eye out for opportunities. <laughs> yeah. I, I know the Camino can be a great source of inspiration. Could there be more Caminos for you on the horizon? I would love there to be more Caminos for me on the horizon. Um, I've even taken the step of buying the guidebook for the Northern Route. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. And I've got a couple more questions, just a couple. What advice would you give mm. to somebody thinking of walking? Oh, if they're thinking of walking, they should absolutely do it. Actually, when you were giving your opening uh, introduction, I was just sitting here nodding my head the whole time. Every time <laughs> you were like, do it, do it, do it. I'm like, yes, yes, totally do it. Because, <laughs> because I think that if somebody has the inclination to go, then they are going to get something from doing it. It is going to be meaningful and powerful for them, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's not actually any good advice. That's really just encouragement. <laughs> well, no, do it is good advice. Tell me a Camino story. Mm, yes, a Camino story. Um, I One of my most... Uh, beautiful memories is of a really simple, simple moment. Uh, it was one day I'd been walking like ridiculously fast. Like I just, you know, was pushing it and pushing it and just kind of overtaking pilgrims in the morning and, and not really waiting or talking or connecting with anyone. And I don't, I don't really know what that was about, but I was just pushing on, pushing on, pushing on. And I got to where I'd planned to stay that night before the albergues had opened. Um, and so I dumped my pack and it'd been a kind of grey and overcast morning. But I just I sat down and I felt like the sun just came out a little bit. And this other couple came and joined me and, and just took off their packs and sat like quite close. Like, you know, we we're just like the three of us sitting in a line on the pavement against the wall of the albergue waiting for it to open. And we'd exchanged, you know, like, hellos, all us. <laughs> and then... We're just eating some fruit, like a, a mandarin or an orange type fruit, and passed up down the line. So I had a little bit of that. I pulled out some lollies that I'd bought and I passed them down the line. And it was just, there's something about just sitting there, soaking up the sunshine, sharing a bit of food. And I was just, it was just really glorious. Oh, yeah, that's a great that's story. That's a great story. <laughs> Oh, it's so beautifully told. Man, I wish I was in Adelaide to see this play. Now, one yes. last question. Why is it called yeah. Blister? Um, well, because 
I feel like that's something that everybody can connect with. Every time I've told the title of the play to anyone who's walked the Camino, they laugh and say, oh, great title. Yeah. And I feel like if the community of people that you're writing about think it's a great title, yeah. then, you know, you're onto a winner. <laughs> it is a great title. Um, yeah. But I think also, I mean, I've, I found blisters, like the, the practicality of, of um, caring for your blister, I feel like there's, there's a bigger metaphor there, you know. Like you can feel it when you're getting a hot spot in your foot and if you – if you choose to stop and take care of it before it gets worse, you know, if you ignore things, they just get a little bit worse. I feel like there's a lesson. I feel like we can learn something about how we care for blisters in terms of how we look after ourselves in life. That is so true. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, Sarah. Congratulations. I really hope it goes well. uh, And and I look forward to seeing it one day, hopefully in the not-too-distant future. Uh, and congratulations. I think it's a wonderful concept, and I really hope it goes well for you. I'll be thinking of you. And indeed, all of my listeners, all the pilgrims who listen, thousands and thousands around the world, will be hoping and praying that it does well for you. Thank you so much. It's been a real joy to um, to talk about it and share it with you. So thank you. And Buen Camino. Buen Camino. <laughs> my guest this week, the South Australian playwright, Sarah Peters. Her play Blister opens this week in Adelaide. It's at the Holden Street Theatre, the studio at 34 Holden Street, Hindmarsh in Adelaide from the 31st of July to August the 3rd. And if you type Sarah Peters Blister into Google, all the details come up. It was the Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw who said, life is not about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. Pilgrims are great sculptors of selves great listeners, great sharers of stories. Keep sculpting, sharing, creating and listening. I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week, Buen Camino.